Well, welcome back, friends. It has been three long months since our last installment of Between the Shadows. This is Kristen. This is Kara. Thank you guys so much for coming back. Uh, we know we've been gone a while. It has been a crazy life, y'all. Crazy life and um, trying to get schedules to work, but we think we have a plan. And we've reworked some of the scheduling, and I think we're going to be able to make this work. So we're just, we're so happy to be back. Um, so I think last time we talked three months ago, yeah. we talked about the death of Reverend Trask, and we talked about Nathan's plot to get Millicent back. Mm -hmm. And he definitely succeeded because they did not end up getting married. And so we are, so we're still in 1795. This is going to be our last installment for 1795, yeah. and it's going to be a doozy. All right. So lace them up. Here we go. <laughs> so at this point, this is when Nathan took it upon himself and made it his goal to just drive Millicent insane. And he's kind of succeeding. You know, he started off with a little pair of earrings and, yeah. you know, he took one and, and Millicent wondered where it went. And he just, he ran with it and said, Millicent, you're acting crazy, you know. Uh -huh. So that's kind of where we are. And the next thing, the next big thing that we see is is Joshua Collins has asked the Countess Dupre to meet him at the old house. It's It's a private place and Joshua doesn't want to be interrupted. And Joshua tells Natalie of Barnabas's curse and that Angelique was the real witch at Collinwood. Mm. Now, the reason he's asked the, the the reason he asked the countess in the first place, it kind of surprises me. One, because he didn't want to involve Naomi. And I that I do understand. But the reason number two did surprise me. He asked the countess, he involved the countess because he knew that she could summon somebody psychically from the occult. Right. And right. he asked the countess to summon a person, a witch, to lift the curse from Barnabas. A witch. Yeah. Now, Victoria Winters is, she's sitting in jail right now. She's been condemned as a witch and is basically sitting on death row waiting to be hanged for this crime that she's completely innocent of. But Joshua went to the countess because he knew that she had some ties in with the occult. And she was the one to ask about bringing on a witch at Collinwood to lift the curse. And it just, it surprises me and it baffles me that the countess can be so far into the occult and be able to summon a witch, you know, psychically. But she wasn't put on trial for witchcraft. Exactly. But, but Victoria sending in a jail. Yeah. Who's <laughs> completely innocent. And She's just fighting for her life right now. It just, it irritates the snot out of me. Never made any sense to me. No. Like that. She was never um, uh, accused or yeah. suspected or anything. It always blew my mind. Mm -hmm. So from there, the Countess does perform this ritual where she lights a candle and she says she will make a psychic connection with someone who can help them. And um, she doesn't know who the person is. She doesn't know what they look like, but she knows that someone who can help them will be able to hear the call. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As soon as they decide this, while they're standing in the old house, the portrait above the fireplace changes to the one of Angelique. Mm -hmm. So both of them realize that they must make haste because Angelique will um, do anything she can to yeah. stand in their way. She's dead, but she's she can come back and stop all this and right. or do her best to stop all this. And yeah. even in death, Angelique is, is a very powerful witch. She yeah. just is. And um, so back at Collinwood, Nathan suggests to Millicent that she goes up to the tower room to investigate the light that she saw in the last episode. Right. You know, she he was like, there's no t there's no light up there. And she's like, oh, but there is. I can see I'm looking at it. You know, and he's like, you're crazy. There's no light up there. But he encourages her to go investigate because Nathan 
Nathan, I think he knows that Barnabas is up there. Right. So he sends, again, Nathan doesn't know Barnabas's whole story. Nathan just knows that Barnabas is the Collinsport Strangler. That's I mean, he strongly he assumes that that's what Josh was doing. Like, he's hiding yes. Barnabas Yeah, harboring him. Yeah, yes. Right. And this is in his intent to make Millicent crazy. So Millicent goes up and sure enough, there's Barnabas. Uh-huh. <laughs> the sun has gone down, so he's up. He's not in his coffin. And he demands that she doesn't tell anyone that she saw him there. And she's hysterical, like Millicent is. She's mm-hmm. hysterical and she's crying and she says, I can't. So he... You leave me no choice, you know. Invites her, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think I think this point was where Millicent was just absolutely driven beyond her breaking point, and her mind just it snaps, and she is finally what everybody as, treated her as exactly. So frail, mentally frail, and exactly. Now she really is. Yeah, exactly. And I think Barnabas had a large hand in that. <laughs> yeah. And, to, to keep his secret, you know? I mean, Barnabas is doing what he knows to do to protect himself and yeah. protect his family. And he didn't kill her. just He just bit her, you know? Yeah. So Joshua goes up there and finds her in the tower room because this Bathia Mapes, who is the witch who has come to help, right. told him to go and check the tower room because she knows that Barnabas has left. Joshua and the Countess try to tell her, no, he's there. He promised he wouldn't try to escape. And he was, she was like, okay, go up there. And if he's there, then you don't need me here anymore. Right. But Joshua goes up there and finds Millicent, but no Barnabas. And Joshua realized that mine's, Millicent's mind has snapped, and he knows that Barnabas was the one who was responsible. Right. So I think in this scene, we see a lot of emotion once more from Joshua in this scene. He, he sees what's happened to Millicent, and he knows that Barnabas is responsible, and he's very sorrowful, and he, he swears to Millicent that he's going to make it up to her. And well, my, my poor Millicent. <laughs> and at this point as well for Joshua, it's it he's slowly watched members of his family one by one drop off, yeah. die, get sick, yeah, and die. And this is just one more now. Like if he feels like he just can't take care of his family. Like Right. I think I like think it's Josh, a curse. Jo- yeah, it's a curse. And and at the at the end of this, you know, we'll talk about this, but Joshua at least Joshua directly was saved from the curse because he of his inability to love his son, you right. know, right. and but he's watching everyone around him just drop like flies. And at the end, he's the only he's, one left standing, yeah. the only one left standing. Mm-hmm. And I thought Bethia Mapes, I thought she was a pretty good witch. I thought she was pretty fantastic. Yeah, she was able to tell Natalie that the curse that was on Barnabas meant that no one could love him and he could not love because all everyone who loved him were, was in grave danger. Like she was able just to say that before even meeting him. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dang girl. (laughs) (laughs) So, so Joshua returns and tells, tells him, yep, Barnabas is gone. You're right. And Bethiah tells Joshua that she did not realize the strength of the witch's power that put Barnabas under the curse. Mm -hmm. She calls to Barnabas and tries to get him to return. And he does return he, he returns to Collinwood and she begs the name of the witch who cursed him. She doesn't know her name, but she knows what the curse is. Yeah. And Angelique tries to prevent him from saying her name like he did, like she did with Ben. But Bathia is able to fight her and make him able to choke out Angelique's mm-hmm. name. And, you know, she begins her incantation and Barnabas speaks. Mm-hmm. And in, in this scene, the way that Barnabas is speaking, like, 
his whole voice changed. Mm-hmm. His whole voice changed, and it was very demonic. And I can't be sure that it was Barnabas's words coming out. Like he tells her she's gonna die, but the way that he said it was so demonic. And yeah. I, I can only assume that the words were Angelique's, not his. Right. Right. And you know, Bathia ends up, she admits that she's she's terrified and this could mean life or death for her and for Barnabas. Mm-hmm. And she tries to refuse help anymore while Joshua employs implores her and begs her to keep trying. And she tells him they must go to the place where the curse happened, which of course is the old house. Right. So they head down there and Joshua, she tells Joshua to bring her something that belonged to Angelique and reminds him over and over that she must not be interrupted because it could mean her death along with the curse being broken. Right. While that's going on, Naomi is pretty much already headed down to the old house because Millicent in her crazy state has told Naomi and Nathan that she saw Barnabas in the tower room and that Joshua is taking him to the old house and Naomi wants to investigate mm-hmm. because Joshua has been keeping all of this from her. Yeah. He, he's, and, he's, he's protecting Naomi in his own way, I mm-hmm. think, because I don't, I think that Joshua thinks that Naomi won't be able to handle it. Right. And I think he's right. Yeah. I, I don't know that what we learned very soon that Naomi couldn't handle the truth. She right. couldn't. Right. So she's headed down there and, Bathia has begun her incantations at the old house. Naomi shows up at the door and Bathia tells Joshua to get rid of her. Yeah. Like, I can't be interrupted here. Yeah. He gets her to return to Collinwood, but um, it's too late. Yeah. Yeah. Bathia's concentration has been broken and um, she burst into friggin' flames. Yeah. Yeah. She was close. Was like, she was close to getting this curse off and Naomi interrupted and Bathia warned them, if you interrupt me, this is going to be my life. Oh and the curse God. is not going to be broken. And she was interrupted and burst into flame. She was absolutely right. It cost her her life. Yeah. And I, I, we can only assume that this was Angelique's doing. Right. And, and then because we hear laughter coming from Angelique's portrait as, as Bethia is dying in this fire, you know. That and famous Angelique giggle. Yes. Laugh. I can't even do it. Yeah, I, I know. I, I won't I, even, I, try. I can't even try. It. We know what it sounds like. I don't need to try. <laughs> oh, goodness. That's funny. So. Joshua returns to Collinwood and asks Naomi why she went to the old house. And she tells him what Millicent said. And she knows that Joshua is keeping something from her. And she tells him, Naomi is a smart girl. She's very smart. She tells him that she thinks that Barnabas is alive. And that's what he's been keeping from her. Yeah. She says that she heard his voice outside the old house when she was down there investigating. And Joshua tells Naomi that he was in the old house with Bethia, but omits the part about Barnabas being under a curse. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He tells her that he's changed his mind about who the witch was and that he thinks Angelique is the witch and that he wants to take the curse off the house so he summoned Bethia Mapes, but her attempt had failed. Mm. So he he, he he tells the truth but omits the part about Barnabas because he he just doesn't think that Naomi can handle it. And, And finally, Joshua is on the side of everybody else, pretty much, telling Naomi that he plans to talk to the judge and tell him that he does think Victoria is innocent. Mm -hmm. And we find out that Victoria's hanging is actually scheduled for the next day at dusk. Yes. So he hasn't got a lot of time. So, yeah, he he was, Joshua had planned to to go to the judge and tell him what he thinks. Right. You know, because Joshua's got some clout in Collinsport, you know. But uh, yeah, he kind of basically owns the town. Yeah. I mean, Collinsport, <laughs> Joshua Collins, you know. And Peter Bradford has returned from Salem. Oh, and yeah, yeah. he went to Salem to find Trask because Trask left a note, you know, under the nudge of Barnabas right. <laughs> before he killed him. 
but he because they won't accept the note because Trask is nowhere around to to clarify, you know. Yeah. And nobody the last that anybody had ever heard from Trask in Salem at least is that he was still in Collinsport. Yeah. And Joshua ends up showing up at the jail to apologize to to Vicky mm-hmm. and he admits that he was wrong and realizes now that she's innocent and that he's going to help her however he can. It's like it's such a switch because just you know, a little while ago, he was at her jail saying, you know, you, uh, relish all these sunrises, you know, bask in these sunrises because you're not going to see very many of them now. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm here to help. Right, you know? right. And Joshua and Peter, they go to meet with the judge and the, ju- the judge states that if Joshua had been willing to testify in court about his feelings that he has now, it would have made a huge difference. Jeez. And he says that unless he has... Any unless he has evidence, unless Joshua has evidence, he can't do anything about it. Mm. And Joshua tells him that Abigail and Trask were the ones who charged Victoria of witchcraft, and that Abigail was not in her right mind at the time, and that she was a fanatic and always seeing the devil somewhere. Yeah. And without Trask, they can't consider the note. And the judge states that the only thing they can do to stop the execution is to produce a new witness. Wow. And it would have been someone who knew Angelique and can provide absolute proof of her witch of her of her acts of witchcraft. Yeah. And Joshua knows he can't provide this. And Barnabas is literally, literally the only one who can save Victoria, but they can't ask him because he's dead. He's supposed to be dead and or he's supposed to be in England, but really he's dead. Right. And he wouldn't be able to show up during the day to provide testimony in her favor. Mm-hmm. So they go to deliver the news to Vicky and tells her that there's literally nothing more that they can do. And the jailer insists that Peter leaves and he locks her back in. And once they're all in the other room, Peter snatches the gun out of the jailer's belt and demands that he gives him the keys to Vicky's cell. Yeah. <laughs> Peter was the, you know, trying hero. to be a hero here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Peter gives Vicky the gun and gags the jailer, and the jailer struggles with Vicky, and the gun goes off. Mm. They manage to escape the jail, but Vicky's wounded in the shoulder from the gunshot. Yeah. And they back at Collinwood, Daniel wants to know why Millicent is under lock and key. Like, like Nathan has locked her up because yeah. she, she's nuts now. She, she literally is nuts. It's not just Nathan trying to make her that way. Yeah. And Nathan tells him that she's sick in her mind and that he is now Daniel's legal guardian. He basically told him that if he couldn't obey orders and it would make life that Nathan could make life very difficult for Daniel. Mm -hmm. And finally, finally, everyone else is starting to see Nathan's true colors. You know, he's been a a faux gentleman up till now. You know, he's he's been a fake and he's been, you know, cordial with the family. Well, now that Millicent is sick and he's technically daniel's legal guardian you know he's just he no more pretending for nathan right and he's he's become very power hungry very money hungry and now that millicent's lost her mind he's become pretty ruthless at this point yeah and peter and vicky that from the jail they make it down to the old house where ben stokes is and ben swears he swears to take good care of victoria and ben really he really took charge in this situation i thought like, he, he clean and dressed her wound and swears to protect them both in the old house. And this little scene here, it kind of, it made, it made me smile just a little bit. Um, Daniel comes knocking at the door. Yeah. And Ben, you know, has to hide these two because now they're fugitives. And, and pulls open the secret panel in the drawing room. And Vicky goes, secret panel? Really? Because <laughs> she had no idea. Right. And it just, it just made me laugh a little bit. 
It's like, I'm going to check that when I get back. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I'm gonna, if I ever get back. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. So, yeah, so he pulls the bookcase away, and, and, and she's just, she's shocked to learn that there's a secret room behind the bookcase, and Daniel isn't stupid, and he realizes that Ben is hiding someone in the old house, and he immediately goes to the bookcase and finds Peter and Vicky there. Yeah. But Daniel promises to tell nobody that that, that he saw him there. And I, I, I liked, I, I liked Daniel's, um, I liked his character, especially during this time, because he, you know, he knew the truth, too. He was like, Vicky's not a witch. She's not. And, right. you know, even though it was, in his mind, would have been the right thing to do to tell a grown-up, he's like, I'm not going to tell. Yeah. I'm not going to tell. Yeah. And it just, it made me happy. But Daniel tells him that he wishes he could go with him because things have changed at Collinwood and that Nathan won't even let him see Millicent because her mind is snapped. And Vicky also learns that Millicent and Nathan are married. And we remember that the history books never said that Millicent ever got married. So another right. shock for Vicky. It was like, what? <laughs> Millicent got like Millicent this? never married. <laughs> ben takes Peter and Vicky to... Um, the secret room at the mausoleum mm -hmm. and Daniel follows behind them without them knowing. Yeah. Uh, this is another shock for Vicky because she had no idea that there was a secret room in the mausoleum either. She's learning some pretty hefty secrets about the Collins family <laughs> the <truth>. right now. <laughs> um, ben agrees to conceal them there and help them escape when Victoria heals. Yeah. yeah. Um, while Vicky's in there, she dreams about a coffin and a person putting on white gloves, putting their hands around Daniel's neck. And then she sees Nathan's face. Mm -hmm. She tries to leave, but Peter stops her. Mm -hmm. She's convinced that the Collins family history is wrong about Daniel, and she has to prevent Nathan from killing him. Mm -hmm. She sends Peter instead because she's in no condition. No, she's shot. She has to rest. She realizes that if Daniel is not saved, the Collins family of 1968 won't exist. Mm -hmm. I mean, basically, like, that's yeah. the point of all of it. That was a plot that I did. I, I'm like, what happened if Vicky hadn't shown up? I mean, was that Phyllis Wick who was trying to save Daniel from from Nathan? I, I know. I, it's something to think. I've thought about it as well. I was like... I mean, maybe that was Phyllis, Phyllis Wick's place, too. I mean, because Vicky basically took her place. And so was it Phyllis Wick that saved Daniel from, from Nathan? And now it's on Vicky, and Vicky's just learning. Oh crap! I got to save this kid, otherwise my future is not going to exist. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know. I've just I've often wondered about like that. everything Vicky went through was this Phyllis Wick. Yeah, you that's, know what I mean. That, that's what like step by step. That's what we're wondering. Did she fall in love with Peter Bradford? Did she? You know, did she, we know that she was sentenced to hang for witchcraft? We knew that much, but. I don't know. All these other things that happened to Vicky, is it just Phyllis, Phyllis Wick's life, but Vicky living it? Right. Because Phyllis Wick is in Vicky's place, but 1968, the time has been suspended, you know? So just, I don't know. It also, I've also thought about it as well as like, if this is Phyllis Wick's life that Vicky's just living in right now, did Peter fall in love with Phyllis? Yes. Yes. I've wondered that too. Yeah. I've wondered that too. It's, it was, it's never been addressed, but, and maybe skimmed over. Yeah, I think but it has been skimmed over. It's definitely it's, up for discussion. Definitely. But that might have to be a whole other episode. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or we'll never get to the end. <laughs> um, so at Collinwood, Nathan warns Daniel to tell him what he knows about seeing Victoria. And Daniel tells Nathan that he's planning to ask Naomi and Joshua to adopt him. Yeah. So that Nathan won't be his legal guardian anymore. Right. Smart little boy. <laughs> right. And Nathan devises a plot to have Noah Gifford abduct Daniel. 
And Noah refuses, but Nathan threatens to go to the authorities and tell them that Noah killed Maude Browning and that he attacked Millicent. He wants Noah to take Daniel to sea and come back without him. Wow. And, like, literally, he's out to kill this kid because of money. That's how money-hungry he got, how power-hungry he got. Like, he was ready to murder Daniel to get the family money, (laughs) to get Millicent's money. Crazy. And it just... Because that was the whole reason for marrying Millicent, because he was going to drive her crazy and get all of her riches and, you know, be in charge of Daniel. But Daniel had this... Did Nathan not even think that, you know, Daniel could ask Naomi and Joshua, or Joshua and Naomi would have thought to adopt Daniel? Or if they took it to court, he would win over... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, this... In this day and age, like, if you took... No. Against Joshua and Naomi Collins of Collinsport, clink. I mean, really, they they he doesn't think he would have lost that case. Uh, I, yeah, I know, but they never took it there. Yeah, they never took it to the line. So yeah, I don't know. Something else to think about. <laughs> so Noah does kidnap Daniel and takes him back to the fishing shack, and he has to wait to go to sea because there's a storm because it's Collinsport and there's always a storm. Yeah. And <laughs> and Daniel manages to escape when Noah gets up to shut the shutters when the wind blows him open. And Daniel makes his way back to the mausoleum because he knows that Vicky's hiding there. But Noah follows him there and hears him calling for Vicky. Mm. And Peter's gone up to Collinwood, so it's just Vicky. It's just Vicky in the mausoleum. Peter's right. gone up to Collinwood. He left her with, like, a gun, I think. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, do you know how to shoot it? She was like, yeah, but I don't want to. He's like, do it only if you have to, you know. <laughs> and so he, he's he's gone to warn Naomi about Daniel. And he, he leaves, you know, leaves the pistol with Victoria and... She hears Daniel calling for her. Yeah. And he tells her that someone's after him. And Noah leaves the mausoleum and returns to Collinwood to see Nathan to tell him that Daniel got away. (laughs) (laughs) And Noah tells him that he escaped to the cemetery in the mausoleum shouting for Miss Winters and then disappeared. Mm. And just then Naomi shows up. Now remember, Naomi's found her balls. So she's not putting up with no crap. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Naomi shows up and and wants to speak to Nathan, and she's concerned that Daniel's been gone for so long. When Nathan doesn't doesn't seem concerned at all. Right. And once Nathan agrees to join the search for Daniel, Peter shows up and tells Naomi that Victoria is is hiding on the property and that she believes that Daniel's in terrible danger. And Naomi tells Peter that Daniel is missing, and Peter says that Vicky had a dream that Nathan killed Daniel. And Naomi agrees to help Vicky however she can. She says that Joshua's in Boston, should be back in a couple of days, and Joshua should be able to arrange a boat for them to get out of the country. And Naomi is like, bring her back here. Don't I don't care. What, there's This is my house, but there's plenty of rooms to hide her. Bring that girl back here. So they did. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they did. Um, but Vicky, she's developed a fever, and Daniel wants to help. Yeah. And he opens up the secret panel and walks out into, like, the waiting arms of Nathan. <laughs> like Noah. Nathan, of Noah. Of Noah. Yeah. He, he, sorry, not Nathan. And Victoria hears him shouting for help, walks outside of the mausoleum, and she raises up that gun and just shoots him. Mm-hmm. Almost point blank. Mm-hmm. And, and, and she killed him. She killed him. And they, they run back into the mausoleum, and, and Vicky shouts for Peter, and... Peter returns because he's come back for her to bring her back to Collinwood. Right. And, you know, Noah's dead on the ground. And, Mm -hmm. well, Nathan showed up just in time to see all that. Of course he does. And But Peter's got the gun in his hand at this point because he took it from Vicky. Yeah. And he's standing over Noah's dead body, and he takes him to to jail. So, with the charge of murder. (laughs) 
Oh, goody. So, <laughs> so Peter, Peter wasn't the one to take Vicky back to Collinwood. It was Daniel. Yeah. Daniel brought her back. Yeah. And he goes to get Naomi and runs into Millicent, who demands to know why he's up so late and who he's got in the study, you know, Millicent, in her, in her crazy mind. Right. And she goes to see for herself, but Daniel stops her, and Naomi saves the day and interrupts them. <laughs> and Millicent, she storms off in a crazed huff, and Daniel takes Naomi to see Vicky and... Nathan, he does this thing. He he attempts to gaslight Daniel when he tries to describe what happened to him and that the man who tried to kill him, you yeah. know, is like, oh, I used to tell crazy stories as a kid, too. And you're just, you know, there's <laughs> he's like, you silly boy, you know, and it's like, <laughs> but Naomi's not buying it. She's just not. She she tells Nathan that Daniel's just described Noah Gifford, who was there earlier talking to Nathan. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Nathan said he's no friend of his and he was found dead in the cemetery and that he took Peter in for murder. So Vicky, who Naomi stuffed her in a closet <laughs> because Nathan was at the door. Yeah. And she she but she can hear Vicky can hear everything. And she hears Nathan tell Naomi that if the witch isn't found quickly, then Peter will hang before she does. Mm. So she's she's a little she's panicked. And, you know, Na- Naomi, again, finding her balls, ends up stepping in when Nathan tries to bully Daniel. She tells him that she is having the incident of Daniel's kidnapping investigated. Yeah. And Nathan says that Joshua won't like the authorities at the house. But Naomi stands firm. And this is the moment where Nathan tells her that Barnabas is the strangler and Joshua is hiding him in the tower room. <sighs> and after some argument, Naomi goes up to the tower room and finds Barnabas's coffin with Barnabas inside. And as strong as Naomi has been this whole time, this is the thing that breaks her. Yes. Of, of course. Of course. She finds his coffin and cannot handle what her only son has become. Mm-hmm. Broke my heart Broke to see her crumble. And now we understand why Barnabas and Joshua wanted to keep it from her. I yeah. mean, because like you said, I mean, it would, it would be the end of her. Like, yeah. And it, it literally, Nathan broke her. Nathan broke Naomi. Yeah. And to put it, to put it lightly, she's shocked and she's devastated to learn the truth about her son. And, Ben tries to smooth it over. He tells her that he's not dead. He's under a curse. But he does bend the truth a little bit. He tells him that he can't wake up and the curse is some sort of sleeping sickness. Yeah. And she tells Ben that Nathan lied to her and said that he was the strangler, which pisses Ben right off. Pisses him off. And he's ready to kill Nathan with his bare hands. Mm -hmm. He already threatened him on the docks. Yeah, exactly. And... (laughs) <laughs> yes. And he um he, he's ready. Yeah, he's ready to kill him. And she tells Ben just to take Daniel into town and leave him there. Don't bring him back to this house until yeah. I've got this sorted. Yeah. And Nathan walks in the doors and sees Ben standing there. And Ben tells Nathan that he's lucky to be alive. Mm-hmm. And Ben, Ben says it exactly right at this point. He met plenty of horrible people in jail, but Nathan is the lowest and worst of them all. Yeah. He tells him that Naomi stopped him from killing him before, but he would just love another chance at him and for him to stop him from taking Daniel into town as Naomi had commanded. And yeah. he's like, I wish he would try to stop me. I will take you out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, this pisses Nathan off even more. And when Naomi goes to talk to him about what Ben said to her, she tells him that she knows that he's been blackmailing Joshua and is going is going to see that he's banned from Collinwood permanently yeah. and he will leave without Millicent. And while well, Nathan's like, well, she, Nathan tells Naomi that Ben's the one who lied. And she tells her to go to the tower room that night and she will discover that Barnabas is not there because he's looking for a new victim. Right. And Naomi was like, I don't need to do that. I don't, I don't believe you. I don't believe a word. But I think curiosity got the better of Naomi and just having to know just for sure. Mm -hmm. And she sees Millicent gazing at the portrait of Barnabas and 
watches her leave and decides to follow her to the to the the terrace to the gazebo and just in time to see Barnabas bite Millicent and now she knows the entire truth yeah and I think this part right here is what really pushed her over the edge and she can't she can't live with what she's seen and what her son has become yeah like discovering that her son wasn't dead was bad enough yeah she recovered from that fact but when she saw what Barnabas truly turned into. She just couldn't bring herself to keep living with that information. And it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Broke my heart for sure. And I, I, I personally, I keep trying to put myself in Naomi's shoes and I can't, I can't even begin to comprehend the pain and the agony that she was experiencing when she figured out the whole truth about Barnabas. I'm sorry. All this makes me sad. (laughs) And Joshua, he returns from Boston and discovers that Naomi has found out about Barnabas. Once he makes sure that Millicent is safe, he pours himself, he, like Joshua, pours Naomi a drink. Yeah. All this time he's been berating her and, and chastising her for drinking. This time he pours her a drink and Naomi won't drink it. She won't. Yeah. And he asks her how she found out and she, you know, Nathan. Nathan mm-hmm. told me. Mm-hmm. And Naomi explains how she's feeling just before she decides to end her life. Yeah. She says, before tonight, I'd always believed that tragedy was like anything else, that it ran its course, it took its toll and died out, and then we all got back to our normal lives. But I don't believe that anymore. And Naomi took her life, I believe, because she would honestly believe that tragedy would never stop. Yeah. I think that she believed as long as she lived, bad things wouldn't stop happening, and there was nothing that she could do about it. And that... Certainly sounds like someone who is suicidal. Yeah. But she never felt this way until she saw Barnabas in his true state. Yeah. It's heartbreaking, y'all. Yeah. Well, and she sits and stews and thinks about what she has seen and makes the decision to end her life. She goes in to talk to Victoria one last time before she does and tells her that Joshua will do all he can to make sure that she and Peter can leave Collinsport forever. Like, she'll do at least that. And Vicky picks up on her tone and asks her if she's telling her goodbye and that she seems different but Naomi assures her that she's fine and is only saying goodnight but of course Nathan has overheard their conversation and goes in and captures Victoria mm-hmm. she insists on knowing why he testified against her and why he is doing this to her now mm-hmm. it's her life he is taking and she feels entitled to an answer that's fair girl yeah. if he's if he's taken you in to end your life that is a completely fair question I it just yeah. is But, of course, it's all about the money with Nathan. He Mm -hmm. informs her that there's a price on her head and he intends to turn her in. And cash cash in the money. Yep. So we flash back to Naomi. She's written a note to Joshua and then pours herself one last drink. And, y'all, it's a big one. It's a big, fat drink. I mean, the glass that she pours it in. A mega pint. A mega pint, y'all, for Johnny Depp. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) That that was a mega pint, for sure. (laughs) And she... So she pours her mega pint and she pours in the poison. And then she takes the drink in one that she takes this mega pint in one huge gulp and then heads up to the tower room to say goodbye to Barnabas. But not before she asks him to tell her the entire truth. Mm -hmm. How did you get this way? Mm -hmm. And after he's done telling her about Angelique and the curse that she put on him, she tells him nothing could stop her from loving him. And she collapses in Barnabas's arms. Yeah. And it doesn't take her long to die. We don't see it, but Joshua tells Barnabas that before she died, she told Joshua that she loved him. Mm -hmm. 
And Joshua tells Barnabas that he's going to be the one to end the curse. He won't stake him because he feels like he can't. He just doesn't have the stomach for it. But It still feels like you're killing your kid. Exactly. Even if he is dead. Exactly. He, but he, he went and had one of the servants take a, a silver candelabra and had it melted down into six silver bullets. Yeah. And he was like, that, I feel like I could stomach more than staking him, you yeah. know. Yeah. And it would end his life immediately. And um, Barnabas knows he has a few hours before Riggs returns with the silver candelabra. Right. So he wants to go after Nathan. One last hurrah. <laughs> and, okay. Yeah, exactly. And this decision is sealed once they realize that Nathan is the one who took Victoria into custody for the price that was on her head. Right. And Joshua does try to talk him out of it, but there's no stopping Barnabas. I mean, I think Joshua tried to talk him out of it, one, because it was the right thing to do. Yeah. But two, I'm not sure that Joshua really wanted him not to do it. Because Joshua... I feel like Nathan is, has just caused so much turmoil to this family, almost to the degree of Angelique. Oh, yeah. Like, when we were talking about this with Jewel on Resident of Collinwood, he was like, do you think that Nathan um, was kind of like a, a tool in Angelique's game? And I kind of think indirectly he was. Oh, yeah. I, I, think, I think indirectly so. he was because he caused the death of Naomi. Mm-hmm. And he caused pretty much the death of Millicent. She didn't die, but her mind never recovered. Mm-hmm. She was always as loony as she was in, in this. So I, I I think that definitely, definitely it was a, he was a pawn in Angelique's game, I think. So after this, we go to the eagle, not the blue whale. I keep wanting to say the blue <laughs> whale, but I know it's the eagle. <laughs> and Nathan has collected his reward for turning in Victoria. And he's at the eagle celebrating and cozying up to a lady of the night. When a bat shows up outside <laughs> and the unnamed lady leaves and Nathan is alone and we hear this Forbes. Oh, <laughs> and you just see just the the mm-hmm. blood drain from his face because mm-hmm. he knows who this is, mm-hmm. y'all. <laughs> yep. And this rage that we see in Barnabas at this moment, I don't believe this is the vampire's rage. I believe that this is the human's rage coming oh, yeah. from Barnabas right now. Oh, yeah. Barnabas's mother is dead because of Nathan, and he tells him as much. My mother's dead because of you. Mm-hmm. You know, this is pure human revenge. Barnabas wants him dead to avenge Naomi, in addition to the other people he's affected. Right. And Nathan fires his pistol, and Barnabas says, "My favorite line of the entire series, y'all. I cannot die because I am already dead." Mm-hmm. I love that line so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then Barnabas, you know, they, they kind of square off and Nathan is just shocked because he cannot kill this man. He just fired a bullet into his heart and nothing. Right. And Barnabas tells him, is like, I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to get you right now. He's like, I, I, won't, I won't let you stew for this for a while. At the stroke of nine, your ass is dead. <laughs> <laughs> and no one, no one at Collinwood is sympathetic towards Nathan nobody um, like even even Joshua who tried to talk Barnabas out of it had no no mercy yeah. no no sympathy nothing yeah and and Ben tells him there's only one way you can destroy him you got to drive a stake into his heart while he's sleeping during the day but guess what pal you're not going to live that long right <laughs> and Nathan runs into the study to plead with Joshua one last time but spots the crossbow on the wall you know the wooden right uh, right targets or whatever what do you call it? the wood the cross the wooden uh things that you put into the crossbow arrows arrows thank good lord can't <laughs> even think of arrows <laughs> the see and it was it was in my notes too y'all the arrows are made of wood <laughs> and he realizes he he can have one shot at killing barnabas before he's destroyed so he positions himself to get the best shot and waits for barnabas right 
And lucky mm-hmm. for all of us, Nathan is a terrible shot and misses when Barnabas walks in. Mm-hmm. And it does reach Barnabas, but it misses his heart. And at last, Nathan Forbes has met his end and everyone is grateful. Yep. Nathan is dead. <laughs> yep. And this, after this, this is when we learn why the history books say what they say and not the truth. Yeah. We learn that the history books say about the family. We learn that Joshua tells Barnabas that Millicent barely remembers who Nathan is. Yeah. And he's going to have the marriage annulled and that history will never know what happened. So there's one. Mm-hmm. And Joshua states that Naomi will have a natural death along with Jeremiah. Yeah. And Barnabas's, Barnabas and Angelique's marriage will be wiped from history. Yeah. All the world will know of Barnabas is that he is Joshua's son and went away to England. So now the entire book has been explained, or at least the part of this family. Yeah, this part of it, yeah. And Joshua makes a plan for the immediate future. He he tells Barnabas that he's going to end him in the morning, Mm -hmm. and he's going to adopt, he's going to adopt Daniel and make him his legal heir. Which obviously he did. He did, because um, when when we go back to the past again... Daniel, for the very last time, when we go to the past the very last time, Daniel is an old man, and his descendants are there and making chaos and whatever, like the Collinses do. So we know that Joshua did, in fact, make Daniel his heir, and and that was evident later on. Yeah. So before Barnabas heads to the mausoleum, he asked Joshua to please free Ben. Mm -hmm. Please do this for me. Mm -hmm. Do this for Ben. He's paid his dues. He's been loyal to this family. He deserves his freedom. And then he asks that he will do all he can do to get Victoria out of jail. And Joshua agrees to both. And they say goodbye. They, yeah. Joshua says goodbye to his son. And we all know. We know that the future, that Joshua was unable to shoot his son. Yeah. So he orders Ben to fix a silver cross to the top of the inside of the coffin. And then wrap the coffin up and change so that Barnabas will be confined to his coffin forever. Yeah. And Ben does what he's told and tells Barnabas goodbye. And he returns to Collinwood, and Joshua gives Ben his freedom mm-hmm. and $100 to start a new life for himself. And at this moment, a letter from the governor had arrived, and the letter states that he will not give Victoria a stay of execution, and she will be hanged as a witch. Mm. So we're just about wrapped up here, guys. That's when they flash back to the jail, and they let Peter visit Victoria as a last request before she's hanged. And they only have about, like, five minutes together mm-hmm. before they come to get her. And they have just enough time to tell each other that they love each other for the first time and share a kiss before the jailer comes to get her. Mm-hmm. Peter swears that he will find Vicky through time, as she did, and she is taken to the gallows. Yeah. And as she is taken to the gallows, Peter reminds her one last time that, I will find you. Yeah, remember <laughs> what I'm saying. Remember I'll what I'm saying. I'll find you no matter what happens. Yeah. And as she hangs on the gallow, the clock in 1968 starts ticking again. And Phyllis Wick and Victoria Winters switch places mm-hmm. once more, y'all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so that, that wraps up 1795, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry it took so long. Sorry we were three months on this last episode. We have been working so hard to get our schedules to align and... Um, but we, we're back on track, you guys. We got a new plan. We got a new studio to record in. We're, we're very excited for the future, and we're, we're ready to bring, bring Between the Shadows back to life, y'all. Yes. <laughs> so we just want to say thank you so very, very much for coming back, for, for putting up with our hiatus. And 
<laughs> and um, just as a friendly reminder, guys, if you have anything you'd like to um, tell us or or questions or comments, and we we do we've had we've had a few of those lately, and we just want to say we see them, you guys. We see the comments. We yes. see the um, the Atta girls. We love those. <laughs> um, but you can find us on Facebook. Um, you can find us at Between the Shadows twenty twenty one at Gmail. We are both newly on Twitter. Uh, we're both on YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. You can find all of our episodes there as well. And we just, we really appreciate you guys. This is what this is all about, you guys. Dark Shadows fans for life. <laughs> but y'all, until next time, keep it between us and the shadows. Good night, y'all. Good night. The Great House of Collinwood stands in the 20th century, as it did in the 18th, a silent witness to the tragedies of the Collins family, then and now. For time has been suspended here. The clock's hands have stopped as a result of a seance and a girl who is missing, whose journey to the year 1795 began in this room, at this table, that girl is about to die. Convicted of witchcraft and sentenced to hang. And now, two moments in time are parallel. During one tick of a clock in 1968, months have passed in 1795. Now, only seconds remain. One woman still stands at the gallows, her death nearer and nearer, and two moments in time are parallel, and the great clock suddenly starts again. The members of the seance stand in horror and disbelief. For where Victoria Winter sat, there is a stranger who was on her way to this estate 170 years ago. A stranger to all except one man who lived then as well as now. You've been listening to Between the Shadows, a Dark Shadows podcast. All original Dark Shadows music, video clips, images, and media are the sole property of Dan Curtis Productions and is only used to promote Dark Shadows and should not be distributed, copied, or reproduced.